This morning's Bible reading comes from Psalm 16. If you would like to take your Bible, if you're using the Pew Bibles, you'll find it on page 437. Psalm 16. A Mictam of David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, You alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Well, friends, uh, good morning. And uh, so delighted that you are here with us this morning as we look at God's word. You know, it was 20 years ago I was on an island in Southeast Asia and we were there with the team from this church, seven of us, uh, meeting up with one of our workers there. And so we would um, partner in the work of the gospel. And uh, we discovered, though, uh, as we arrived, that the previous day, a local uh, Aussie who was living on that island uh, had threatened our workers. Uh, there was tension in the air, and we were young and fresh and had no idea what we were coming into. And uh, so they locked the gates of the house, no one could enter or exit except uh, by key, and uh, the man was not happy. He'd heard that his ex-wife was going to be baptised and had become a Christian, and this man wasn't happy about that at all. Even though it was his ex-wife, he was out for vengeance and to stop it happening. And so, as you imagine, uh, when you are threatened with something, uh, you pray. And I must say, as a team, we were brought closer together, prayerful, dependent upon God, calling out to God because we didn't know what was going to happen and uh, what our days on that island would be like. Uh, The next Sunday I was preaching in church. Uh, Before that, by the way, we were singing in church. We all got up because when you visit, they make you get up and do an item or something. Uh, And uh, they spoke a different language to us, but uh, uh, we, we got up to sing. And then as we were singing, I remember we looked out the back and there's this man there with a uh, motorcycle helmet on and uh, looking scary and his arms folded, watching to see what was happening that day. And um, 
So a bit more tension than we noticed, the pastor had been away and his wife, as uh, dual pastor, she then came forward and took him outside so he didn't cause a fuss and, and the service continued and I preached on a Philippians 1 with a translator uh, about how the gospel advances despite opposition. And um, it was a testing time, this fellow was okay afterwards, he calmed down, his wife did not get, his ex-wife did not get baptised that day, she chose to put it off for a period so not to create conflict. But when you are faced with opposition or difficulty, uh, it reminds us to pray. We didn't have to be reminded, we just prayed, didn't we? Where do we go in a time like that? And uh, it's interesting watching the fireworks last night and everyone wishing everyone a happy uh, new year. And uh, some are honest enough to say, well, this year wasn't much good. (laughs) Next year is not looking much better. And, And the reality is, if we're honest... They're going to be highs and they're going to be lows because in every year there are highs, there are lows, sometimes there are more highs than lows, sometimes more lows than highs, but we live in a fallen, broken world and there will be trials and testings, the trial of opposition and persecution, the trial of illness or suffering, the trial of attack or mocking from enemies, maybe the trial of feeling alone, rejected, depressed, maybe the the death of a close family member, a son, a daughter, a husband or a wife, a brother or sister, a mother or father. When these things come upon us in 2023, where do we go? Let me remind you today to put your confidence in God. Go to him, call out to him for his peace, his joy, his strength. Psalm 16 is a psalm of confidence or trust. There are a number of psalms like this in the Bible. Another one is Psalm 27. Let me read some verses from here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though An army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And take Psalm 62, for example, verses 1 and 2. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. I love the Psalms, they, they affirm these truths that we need to hold on to. And Psalm 16 is a psalm of confidence, where the psalmist expresses his confidence in God to deliver him from what seems to be a near-death experience. And through it, I think, we learn some really important principles. Firstly, put your confidence in the God who protects. Verse 1, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. The opening prayer for protection could refer to a special crisis from which the psalmist seeks deliverance. And you would imagine that these psalms, as they are prayed and sung in different periods of time, people use it as an expression of their confidence in God. God, I know you're there for me. In this psalm, though, there are two dangers from which protection was sought. Firstly, the dangerous temptation to succumb to a syncretistic faith. 
means it is a faith that mixes the true worship of God with the worship of other gods. When somebody would seek to worship God, yeah, we believe in Yahweh, our God, but we also offer sacrifices to the other gods. They might be able to help us too. It's syncretism. It's mixing two things that should not be mixed. Verse 4, others run, run or lust after other gods. But secondly, the bigger issue here for him is the danger of death in verse 10 going to Sheol or to the pit. The psalmist wants to be delivered from this. But he's confident that he will not be shaken by these things because the Lord is at his right side, verse 8. Secondly, delight in God and, and in his people. I say to the Lord, have you ever said this to the Lord? You are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing. And secondly... If I say, if the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. In 2023, you will not put your confidence in God unless you can say and believe verse 2 with all of your heart. First, let me say the text is literally true. As God is creator of all things, no good thing that we enjoy has come to us apart from him. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James writes in one, chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift. The good gift of family, the good gift of uh, celebrations on New Year's Eve, uh, the good gift of food, whatever it happens to be, every good gift is from above. Your work, your holiday, your family, every breath you take... Today, even to be here, so impressed that you are here on New Year's Day. <laughs> what better place to be than worshipping Christ? Everything's a gift. Your first requirement is gratitude. You live, you have confidence in God because you know all comes from God. It can be taken away, as we've discovered many times this year, in an instance. Your health can be taken away in an instance. But every good gift is from God. And uh, I think this psalmist picks up this theme that comes up in Psalm 73. Uh, two of my f most favorite verses. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, can you say that compared to everything else, and yes, we love our families deeply, we love our children and we love our grandchildren, <laughs> we love them all deeply and we don't want, we, we will miss them if they weren't here, but can you say you love God even in a greater way than everything else you have? Nothing on earth, the earth has nothing I desire besides you, he says. The question is, is God at the center of your affections? It's got the sense of your thinking, your dreaming, uh, your planning. Uh, when you, you get up in the morning, is God on your mind? When you go to bed at night, is God on your mind? When you work, is God on your mind? John Piper puts it this way Is he so important to you that you pray and think and dream and plan and work toward magnifying God in all spheres of life? Or are you like millions of people? who are wasting their lives pursuing dreams of happiness that don't rise above a good marriage, nice kids, a successful career, a nice car, fun vacations, nice friends, a fun retirement, a painless death, and hopefully no hell. 
Friends, do you live your life with a grander vision than what other people live? Going to 2023, and do you have a vision of God's greatness and his glory and the salvation of the lost and the reaching of the nations and the transformation of lives and marriages and communities in the power of God? How big is your vision? Is God at the center of it? But secondly, not only do you have a, a beautiful pursuit of God and desire to know God, but you delight in God, you'll also delight in God's people. Love verse 3, as for the holy ones who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. See, David looks around and, and he sees people chasing other gods and lusting after other gods, but he knows there's a true God and then he sees the holy ones, the righteous ones, the ones who are following God faithfully. They're not chasing the other gods, they're not chasing alternative theologies, they are sticking to the truth of God's word. To delight in your brothers and sisters, look around you. We do this together. We don't do it alone as the people of God. Do you love being with your brothers and sisters, worshipping together, studying God's word together, serving together, evangelising together? Home groups, uh, holiday club teams, uh, deacons, youth leadership teams, wherever you serve, do you love doing it? Someone, Bill Hybels once said, there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. And for its heading up into Christmas, uh, we ran uh, women gathered to run a gingerbread uh, house-making night. And they partnered together. We ran a Christmas fair and people partnered with us. Uh, we ran, the night service ran a Christmas dinner. Uh, the young adults went out on some street evangelism leading up into Christmas. We ran our Christmas services. Many of you were involved and praying and planning. Wasn't it good to do that together? Delight to serve God. Thirdly, we're to refuse to put our confidence in false gods. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. So I mentioned there were those in Israel who we may call syncretists. I love God, yes, but I also love these other gods. They chased after them. David will not go after them. He will not sacrifice to them. He says, I will not chase an alternative God, there is only one true God. He will not even take their names on his lips. I remember one of our couples, Ado and Claire, who have served overseas in Southeast Asia many years, and I remember it was many years ago now, he told me that when his son Kobe was six months old, uh, he had colic, and he cried a lot. He said, the first six months, the kid was always crying, he was unhappy. And the local people where they lived, well, they don't let their kids cry, he said. As soon as they cry, they put them on the breast, they feed them up, and they do whatever they, they can to stop them crying. And they assumed that Kobe was possessed by an evil spirit. Here you are, you're a Christian, and your neighbours think uh, your son's possessed by an evil spirit because he, he cries a lot because of colic. So the locals visited these of, who served other gods and suggested a number of things to him to get rid of the evil spirits. So what do you do then? Ado turned and explained to them that God is their refuge, God is their protector, God is their saviour, and they would pray for Jesus for help and protection. And not only did he say that, he said, before they had a chance to go away, I said, let's pray now, he said, with all these Buddhist people around him, let's pray now to the Jesus who hears and answers them. 
You see, he would not chase other gods. He would not try an alternative, a way of finding healing for his son. Faithful to Christ, not a syncretist. But friends, there are syncretists today. They use the name Christian and reject God's word. They accept the morality of this world and allow the world to determine church teaching and practice. And they are, some of them are Baptists too. We're seeing it more and more in our denomination where people who in the past, for example, said marriages between a man and a woman are now affirming in their churches alternative marriages of same-sex marriages. People who want to know Jesus and still want to do what the world is telling them to do and to affirm. And on another matter, I was speaking to a Christian leader in this area a number of years ago, talking about evangelism and mission, the importance of taking the gospel to others. And he said, oh, no, well, we're not really interested in evangelism. I said, why not? He said, well, you know, think about it. I was born in Australia, so I became a Christian. Someone born in Iran, I guess they're going to be born and be a Muslim. It's just the way it is. You know, God will let them all into heaven ultimately in the end. It's just the way it is. If you were born there, you'd probably be a Muslim too. I said, what about uh, John 14, verse 6? Which says, Jesus says, he is the only way to God the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. I said, what about Jesus' great commission that we had to go to all of the nations and proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations? Why would Jesus say that to us if people are going to just get saved just with whatever religion they have? He had no answer to that question. Oh, we used to think like that, he says. We don't think like that any longer. The word of God is pushed aside. Syncretists. And there are the more subtle ways of being syncretists. For you and me, the lust after the gods of fame or beauty or wealth or comfort or sensuality or the gods of sport... Don't go there. Don't chase the other gods. Fourthly, praise the Lord for our secure eternal inheritance. It says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now, the psalmist is talking about his place on earth here, right? Uh, he's blessed with a delightful earthly inheritance. He's got nice land, uh, good productivity. He said, my boundary lines, are, I'm around the water and, and the rivers, all the good places. Thank you, God, you've been really good to me. But how do we apply that to us? Well, as New Testament Christians, we no longer live in the promised land of Israel. We live in a spiritual kingdom. We are part of God's spiritual kingdom, and so it's, we are in a different state to the people of God in the Old Testament. But we have been blessed with an eternal security and an eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. So we, we put our trust in a God who gives us a secure eternal inheritance. We may not get everything we want here on earth, but we have our eternity secure. We know this side of the cross, that suffering and martyrdom is part of the plan of God, don't we? So we're not Old Testament saints, we're not just thinking about the promised land. We are now living as God's people in a spiritual kingdom in this fallen world... And Jesus said that you will suffer and you will die when you follow me. Luke 21 says, 
you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. But at the same time, not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will be saved, secure in Christ. So yes, they can, in one sense, physically, they can harm us. Yes, my hair will perish, but on the way to eternal life, we'll have a resurrected body. Leonard Wilson was a bishop in Birmingham, Birmingham in England, and uh, he was imprisoned in a Japanese prison many years ago. He was being beaten by four guards. Picture this, here he is, a bishop, a Christian believer being beaten. They then asked him, do you still believe in God? I do, he said. He said, why doesn't your God save you? Well, God does save me, he replied. And he said, what do you mean God saves you? We're beating you. And he explained that God was helping him to bear his suffering for the glory of Jesus. Suffering was part of the plan of God to bring hope to the world. Fifthly, rejoice in God's counsel and stability. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. In 2023, will you allow the Lord to counsel and instruct you as well as protect you? One of the ways he protects us, by the way, is transforming our minds and our thinking. Sometimes we think God is not here for us, he's not on our side. But when your mind is transformed by the biblical teaching, you start to see how God is at work. But what happens, I ask this question, when you're not safe from death? God instructs us, he is watching us, he's by our side, not safe from death. As I mentioned earlier, I think you can be directly in the centre of God's will and die suddenly. By persecution or by illness. You can be directly in the centre of God's will. People say, oh, if you're in the centre of God's will, everything will go well. You can be in the centre of God's will as a pastor, teacher in Pakistan and get executed. You can be in the centre of God's will, serving wherever it happens to be, and your life, life is lost. Maybe in Yemen or Pakistan or India or Nigeria or Burkina Faso or Indonesia, in the centre of God's will, and God takes you to glory, because we live in light of eternity. The Bible says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Don't forget that in 2023. I remember someone, uh, we had a coming to speak to me after a funeral I did here uh, a number of years ago. And uh, it was such a positive funeral, uh, despite the suddenness of the death of one of our women. And uh, we preached the gospel, we gave testimony, and uh, the place was packed out. And, uh, and afterwards, uh, one of the women came to me, and, uh, and I'd known from a previous uh, place, trying to recognise her, she was trying to recognise me, and we, we worked out the connection. She said, now I understand why you guys cope so well on a death of a daily loved person. There was such hope and confidence of the promise of eternal life, said, I've never been to anything like this before. Friends, when we do our funerals amidst our lamenting and our brokenness and our tears, we speak words of hope and joy and a future. 
to live is Christ, to die is gain. And fifthly, rejoice in the joy of total security. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body shall also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave or the word there is Sheol or nor will you let your faithful one see decay the pit. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He seems to be... His life is in danger. He seems to be confident that either that the Lord will help him to recover from illness and have a good life on earth, or he'll have a resurrection from the dead and eternal life with eternal pleasures at your right hand, or both. People say, is he talking about that he's going to be saved, or is he anticipating a future resurrection in the future? Scholars disagree about his main focus here. As I read, it seems to be initially that he thinks he'll be restored on this earth there's always a future dimension and let me say Paul and Peter in the New Testament pick up the fact that David did die he did go to the place of the dead and therefore as he wrote that psalm he was prophesying and anticipating the death and resurrection of Jesus let me read to you from Acts chapter 2 God raised him from the dead, this is about Jesus, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, so he sees the psalm as a prophetic word, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your holy one see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of that fact. Peter says David could not have been referring to himself when he wrote this, because he himself would die. Dead and buried he was, but he was prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And as you look at how New Testament writers interpret the Old Testament, you need to keep this in mind. You remember that the disciples came naturally to see the Old Testament references to God's anointed or king, to David and his royal seed, as finding their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. You go to the Psalms, Psalm 2, Psalm 16, Psalm 110. They're quoting the Psalms and saying, yes, David is speaking. It seems to be about David, but no, it's more than simply about David. It's looking forward to the ultimate Messiah, the Lord Jesus, where the fear of death is done away. In 2023... When you face trials of illness and or suffering, I urge you to put your confidence in God. When you face attack or mocking from your enemies, trust in God. When you feel alone, rejected and depressed, put your hope in God. When your world is shattered by the death of a close family member, turn to God. Put your confidence in God and his son Jesus today and find strength and hope for 2023. Amen.